Well, in the past year, there was kind of a trend that was happening on social media, and it was this whole like girl math trend. You guys know what I'm talking about? And for the first time ever, I feel like it gave a lot of you ladies permission to actually share with the world what kind of principles you live your lives by, right? And it also gave so many of you permission to also feel like I can share that. It's okay, and I'm not alone, because other people also that are women like me think the same way that I do. And so some examples of girl math would be things like, you know, maybe saving, not wanting to spend $15 to pay for shipping, but then spending $50 to get the free shipping. Like, okay, all right, you realize you're spending $35 more, right? But anyways, um, or maybe for example, Uh, returning $90 worth of stuff at the store just to spend $100 and to feel like, hey, I only spent $10. (laughs) And so I was reading all these trends and just watching all the different examples on social media. And here's what I will say is that a lot of times like bad things come out, out of social media, but I feel like the whole girl math trend actually saved a lot of relationships and probably marriages because for the first time, like maybe some guys understood like, oh, she just operates differently than I do. And plays maybe life by different principles than I do. So we're going to be kicking off a new teaching series this week that is called Kingdom Math. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but as believers in Jesus, our faith in Jesus actually leads us to live life based on different principles than the rest of the world does. So we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. That's where we're going to be. But before we jump into chapter 5, I just want to backtrack a little bit to Matthew chapter 4. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, power on your Bibles or grab one in the seat back in front of you, and then turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. But I'm going to backtrack a little bit as we talk about kingdom principles and why this is significant for us and why we get to live as kingdom people. What do we mean by that? And Jesus at the start of his earthly ministry, in Matthew chapter 4, 17, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or other maybe translations will say the kingdom of heaven is near or the kingdom of heaven is here. And so what exactly do we mean by that? Because you can read the term kingdom of heaven that can be confusing. Like, like isn't heaven some place that we get to die and we go to someday like way off in the future? And like what does he mean by the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of heaven is near? And the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is the same thing when you read the scriptures. And it's simply God's rule which first happens in the heart. Of believers and then eventually it's going to happen throughout the world as well and Jesus makes that declaration at the start of his earthly ministry because what happens with Jesus coming and what he got to do as he lived and carried out his ministry on the earth but then went to the cross and he died the death that you and I deserve to die but then he gets to walk out of the grave we're going to be celebrating that in a few weeks in Easter he gets to walk out of the grave and the resurrected Jesus stood and he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. That that declaration by Jesus is a declaration of his kingship. That he ascended, he's seated at the right hand of God and he now rules and we now get to live in his kingdom and we get to live between the first and the second coming of Jesus, which means this also that his kingdom has now been established in our hearts and in some ways the kingdom is already near but it is also not yet here because there will be someday when he'll get to come back 
and to carry out his kingdom fully, establish that all throughout the world. But we get to live in the tension between his first and his second coming. As pastor and author Vance Pittman puts it, he says this, the kingdom of God is God's sovereign activity in the world, resulting in people being in right relationship with himself. That when Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is here, the kingdom of heaven is near, what he's saying is God has now initiated this work through Jesus coming, reconciling us, restoring us in our relationship back to him, which is what Jesus came to do, which is why he declares the kingdom of heaven is near. See, it's so powerful that we understand this because I think so oftentimes as believers, we can, we can think of like the kingdom of heaven as like this, this future thing that someday we'll get to be a part of. And when we think of it in that way, it's not understanding the power or the depth of the gospel. And it's missing out on the life that we can have right now, here and now. Which is why he says the kingdom of heaven is near. And we're going to be talking about these principles of the kingdom and how do we live into that. Because the kingdom of heaven isn't a distant concept for some day. No, it's our reality today, actually, that we get to live in. And so many of us can go about life sometimes and not realize, man, you get to live in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus brought that to us. It transforms everything about the way that we get to live. And so many of us can miss out on that powerful truth. See, yes, I believe the gospel that when, when I die someday, I'm going to get to spend eternity in heaven with God because of what Jesus did for me. But listen, I also believe that the gospel transformed my life today and that I can get to experience the kingdom of heaven today. It isn't just some future thing. The gospel isn't just good news for someday. It's good news for today. Like, do you realize that actually? Sorry, I know I'm getting a little excited up here, but because it's true and it's so powerful that when we're going to be talking about the kingdom of heaven, this kingdom math series and the principles of the kingdom, that there's something so powerful you and I miss out on so often in our lives. And we tend to, to continue to live in the old ways as if Jesus had not come and actually brought his kingdom into this earth so that we can experience transformation here and now, that the kingdom life is available to every single one of us who believe in Jesus. So Jesus then goes on in chapter 5 where we're going to be. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, and what he's going to teach them here is what we call the Beatitudes. There are these powerful sayings that we could spend an entire series on. We probably could spend the entire year unpacking these. I'm going to try to do it in one sermon, so extend some grace my way today. But the Beatitudes are so powerful because so many scholars have said, if you can summarize all of Jesus' teachings that he's going to do in the book of Matthew, it all comes down to the verses that we're going to be reading today. That it's a powerful table of contents or it's a powerful declaration that's going to set up the entire rest of the gospel of Matthew. And he opens his mouth to them and he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Listen, Jesus' words here are not what you and I would expect. As he's declaring the principles of the kingdom of God, they are not what we would expect because 
If you're taking notes this morning, the main idea is this. The kingdom of heaven turns our reality upside down. That's the kind of kingdom that Jesus came to usher in, and he turns our reality upside down. It changes everything about ourselves, how we see ourselves. It changes everything about the reality around us and what we see is actually happening. It changes how we treat other people. It changes everything in our lives in the best way possible by turning it upside down. And I'm going to be talking about why that is good news for you and for me. Because what the kingdom of heaven brings to us should give us so much hope for right now, for today, and for the future as well. And that's what we're going to be talking about. That the kingdom of heaven turns our reality upside down. And I'm excited to jump in. But let's go ahead and pray before we continue. Father, we just pause right now to acknowledge your presence in this room. That so many of us are coming into this place. And multiple kids maybe. And uh, rushing to get here. Checking the kids in. And finding a seat in this place. And all these different things going on. Father, we don't want to overlook the fact that you are here right now in this room. You, the creator of the universe. You want to meet with us. In this moment, in this place. So God, we just, we just invite your presence. God, we welcome your work in our lives. Would you help us to just listen to your voice today? And for me, God, anything that is not from you, would you just remove that from me right now? Allow me to, to speak your words in a way that is clear and compelling. And would you challenge us all to become more and more like Jesus and to love you more with everything in us? It's in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Uh, one of my mentors uh, a while back was sharing a story with me. And he had the opportunity to sit down and talk to somebody in his church. And he's a pastor. The guy he was talking to had a lot of resources. Very wealthy. Was talking with him. And this guy was somehow complaining about like all the wealth and the resources that he had. And so he's talking to like my mentor, he's a, who's a pastor, and he's just like, no, you don't really understand like how blessed you are that you don't have these problems that like I have to deal with because of all my wealth and everything. And my mentor kind of jokingly told him, hey, like I'd rather have your problems, <laughs> right? And I think a lot of times like we can hear things like that or we can hear somebody that has all these resources and we'll, we'll look at somebody that doesn't have it and be like, man, you are just so blessed. And we can be like, well, it's easy for you to say, look at everything that you have, right? Or somebody that maybe is a good-looking person will look at somebody and say, like, you, you don't realize, like, all the attention. Like, it's so hard, you know, looking this good, whatever. And it's like, we sometimes just don't understand the different blessings that we get to have in life. And it can be confusing when you hear somebody make a statement like that. What do you mean? All the stuff you have? You'd rather have my problems and not have enough? What, what do you mean by that? I thought it was a blessing to have more stuff. And listen, when we're diving into the principles of the kingdom of God, the number one thing that the kingdom of heaven does in our lives is it redefines how we view what blessings are. The kingdom of heaven redefines what it means to be blessed. Because look at what Jesus is doing here. Who we would view as blessed are the people that are wealthy, that are healthy, the successful people that have it all together, the powerful people, the beautiful people. But yet Jesus' list when he says, blessed are the, what you would not expect him to say is, blessed are the poor, as Luke puts it in his gospel. He doesn't say poor in the spirit. Luke just says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the hungry and thirsty. Blessed are the merciful. 
Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, the persecuted ones. Like you will never see somebody make a post on social media and say, feeling so poor, hashtag blessed, man. Hashtag blessed. I'm so poor right now. Because the kingdom of heaven and what Jesus introduces completely takes our concept of what it means to be blessed and turns it completely upside down. And here's what's so powerful about what Jesus is teaching and why these people that he talks about in this category would be considered blessed is because of this. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are simply the ones that realize that they are spiritually bankrupt. They're the people that think about being poor. Being poor means you don't have the resources or you don't have enough. And you recognize the need that you have in your life. And Jesus is saying the poor in spirit or the poor in the kingdom of heaven are the ones who realize their need. And that need drives them towards God. And those are exactly the people that actually get to experience the kingdom of heaven. Not not the people that think they have it all together. That have no need in their lives. No, he says the poor are the ones for whom the kingdom of heaven is. And if I was writing this maybe and thinking about what it means to be blessed in the terms that we tend to think about being blessed, I'd maybe say something like this. My version, uh, blessed are the rich for the world is theirs, right? And that's how we tend to think about blessing. But no, Jesus is trying to show them though the kingdom of I've come to bring is actually an upside down kingdom that changes everything about your reality in the best way possible. Because maybe every single one of us in this room have found ourselves there before where you feel that need in your soul or in your heart, that maybe even it's not physical, material resources that you're lacking, but you realize your own spiritual need that you have. And Jesus is saying, when you find yourself in that place, you're actually blessed. Celebrate that because that need is a crying out for God and it drives you towards him, towards actually receiving his kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn. The ones who mourn, the ones who have experienced loss or maybe brokenness in this world. He says, the ones who mourn in the kingdom that I'm bringing in, that I'm ushering in, they will be comforted. Because that mourn and that loss that they might experience just reminds them about something and about the broken world that we get to live in and just reminds them, hey, this world is not the way that it should be. And that mourning drives them towards God to experience his kingdom. And his kingdom is a kingdom of comfort. Which is why if you read the scriptures, it talks about someday in heaven when Jesus returns that, listen, there will be no more tears because he will wipe away every tear. Sorrow will be no more. And he's saying the ones that are mourning right now in this life, if you find yourself mourning because you're experiencing loss right now, rejoice in that moment. You are blessed because that mourning points you to a future hope that you have, but also gives you hope in the present. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And if I was writing this, my version would maybe be like, blessed are the domineering because they can go conquer the world and make it happen, right? Because that's how the world that we live in tends to think of. And anybody who maybe shows meekness tends to be considered weak or not intelligent enough or not competent enough. And he's saying, no, 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 the meek actually in my kingdom get to live out the very character and nature of who Jesus was. See, meekness is not about weakness. Meekness is all about strength under control because that kind of strength submits itself to God and trusts in God. And so it's not about being weak or being pushovers, but it's about being humble 
And he's saying the kingdom of he, he comes to bring is for the ones that are humble, the ones that model the character and nature of who Jesus is. And Jesus himself said that he is meek. And it says the meek are the ones that will inherit the earth, meaning that it's not the people that say, well, I made it happen for myself. I'm self-made. I'm getting all these things because I deserve it. No, the, the meek that recognize they can never do it on their own. Those are the people that God says, because you recognize you can never do it on your own. You're willing to trust me in that. You will actually get to inherit the earth and the kingdom that I have to offer. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. These are the people that look around and they see all the injustice in the world. Or maybe the people that have been victims of injustice themselves. And he's saying that they will be satisfied, meaning that when he ushers in his kingdom fully, someday in the future, he's going to restore all things, make all things right, and they will get to finally experience that justice that they've been longing for. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If I was writing this one, I would maybe say something like this. Blessed are the ruthless, because they will get to taste the sweet taste of revenge, right? Like, isn't that how the world tends to teach us to live our lives? Hey, if somebody does you wrong, man, you need to get them back right away. And as you do that, then you can, you know, get, get that pleasure from that revenge. Like, you made things right, and Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Blessed are the merciful, because the merciful realizes that they've received mercy from God. They realize their own sinfulness, their own shortcomings, and they realize just how merciful God has been to them. That in his grace, in his mercy, he's given us forgiveness. He's given us the life that we never deserved on our own. And the kind of mercy that he's extended to us, he now calls us to extend that to other people. When you're merciful, you get to experience something about the character and the heart and the nature of who our God is because he's a merciful God. And Jesus is saying, when, when you get to live out your life, when you get to extend mercy to others, you get to experience my kingdom. And the kingdom that I came to bring and blessed are the pure in heart. These are the people that get to live in this life and yet they keep their, their hearts and their minds focused on God. It's the people that haven't given their hearts over to the love of money or to the pleasures of this world or everything that the world has to offer. These are the people that are living their lives and still seeking after God. And that is what it means to be pure in heart. It means to have a heart that is set on God. And he said, when your heart is set on God... The promise for you, the blessing in this is that you will actually get to see God someday. That someday our faith will actually become sight and we'll get to see him face to face. And that's a powerful promise in this. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Jesus himself was called the Prince of Peace. And they will be called sons of God because they get to become more like the Son of God, who is the Prince of Peace. Which is why he's saying the people that are working to keep peace and to reconcile with others and live out their lives in that way, they will be called son of God, sons of God as Jesus himself is, who is the Prince of Peace, as we just celebrated at Christmas a couple months ago. It said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That these are the people that are not afraid to live out their faith, to put it all out on the line. Even if it means opposition, rejection, persecution, it doesn't matter to them because they're living their lives for, so much, for something so much greater than their own safety, than their own comfort, 
And Jesus is saying, when you get to live your life in that way, you truly understand what the kingdom of heaven is. And those are the kinds of people that will get to receive the kingdom of heaven. See, according to Jesus, being blessed is not all these different things that we would think of. When things are going well, when you're healthy, when you're wealthy, your kids get along, you're doing great at your job, you're getting the promotions. No, to Jesus, that's not how he defines what it means to be blessed. For Jesus, according to Jesus, those who receive the kingdom of heaven are the blessed ones. Those who receive the kingdom of heaven. Because they receive something so much greater than what the world actually can offer them. To be blessed means to be in right relationship with Jesus and an heir to the kingdom of God. And all of those things, blessings, comfort, justice, mercy, everything that we're talking about are all attributes that the kingdom of heaven actually brings in our lives. And so he started out with saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's going to end it with saying, blessed are those who are persecuted, for, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Everything in between that we just talked about are attributes that overflow out of receiving the kingdom of heaven in our lives and I don't know about you, but as I was reading through this list, you know, the poor, the, the meek, the merciful, the pure in heart, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are persecuted for their faith, I began to realize how much, like, it doesn't describe how my life is a lot of times. Anybody else realize that as, as we're, like, reading through that list? Like, like, if you were to put a screen behind my head right now and follow me throughout my day, and look at some of the thoughts and some of the feelings that go through my mind. Like, like it would be scary, right? And many of you would probably think differently of me. And probably you find yourself thinking the same thing as well. And that's the problem with, I think, as, as maybe I was taught when I was younger, that, man, these are just attitudes. Go do them. Become more merciful. Become more pure in heart on your own. And listen, all those things lead us down a path of religion. And religion will always, always, always fail us. And what Jesus is talking about here is not something that we go and do. And these are not beatitudes that you should go be and try to do these things. No, these are things that are overflowing in our lives when we begin to walk with Jesus every single day. When his kingdom enters into our heart, begins to transform us. That you might find yourself in certain things that, man, you used to enjoy doing whatever it was in your life that was sinful. You give your life to Jesus and all of a sudden it's like, I just don't enjoy those things anymore. And in fact, in some ways, God has given me a new heart now, and actually I am repulsed by those things. You know what is happening in that moment? You are being sanctified, and God is giving you a pure heart and making you new, making you more and more like Jesus. Or maybe you were somebody that used to be an eye for an eye, man. If they wronged you, you're going to get them back, even worse than they got you. And then you find yourself someday, and somebody does something to you, and instead of retaliate, retaliating, being vengeful, you end up extending mercy to that person. You know what's happening in that moment is the kingdom of heaven taking up residence in your life. God is transforming you and changing you from the inside out. And truth number two, if you're taking notes this morning, the kingdom of heaven produces transformation in our lives. Transformation, which is what happens when we begin to grow in our relationship with him. And look at verses 1 through 2 of Matthew 5. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and he taught them. See, what Jesus is doing here isn't teaching people a way to have a relationship with God. 
Like, hey, just go try harder on your own to be poor in spirit. Just go try harder to have uh, maybe a pure heart and all these things. No, he's explaining to his disciples the change that has already happened as they've surrendered their lives to him and what that's going to look like for them for the rest of their lives as they get to live out these kingdom principles in their lives. See, the Beatitudes aren't requirements to enter the kingdom of heaven. They are the result of the kingdom of heaven coming to us and being near to us. So many of us can try on our own to change our own hearts. And if I just try harder, then maybe I'll earn my way back to God. And listen, he's saying, you just receive, you repent, receive the kingdom of heaven, allow for that kingdom to take up residence in your heart and begin to transform you. And this is the result of it, that we become more meek, we become more poor in spirit, we become more merciful towards other people. These are all results of the Holy Spirit taking up residence in our hearts. But listen, it's also the whole reason why we talk so much around here about discipleship. That so many people will raise their hand, make a decision to follow Jesus. I surrender my life to Jesus. Never engage in discipleship and they miss out on the kingdom life that Jesus came to actually bring to them. That instead of growing in their faith and surrounding themselves with other believers in a huddle or outpost or a Bible study, whatever that might look like, to continue to grow into what God has already given them, that they just remain in that state of infancy in their lives and they never get to actually live and experience the kingdom life, which is so powerful and so beautiful. What Jesus is saying, it's already here and it's yours. Which is why I just want to encourage you, listen, if you're, if you're attending here and just coming to a service, that's great. We're so glad that you're here. I love the worship. I love that we open up God's word. We get to teach from that. But man, if you are not living your life every single day, pursuing after Jesus, surrounding yourself with other believers, growing in your faith, that you're missing out on so much more that God wants to do in your life. That you are missing out on the kingdom life that he came to give you. That changes your reality upside down in the best way possible. And the powerful truth for us is this, that we can live as kingdom people because of Jesus's transforming power in our lives. That the same power that raised him from the dead is alive and is at work in us. It's transforming us, which is why sometimes when I talk to certain believers and they'll say, well, that's just the way that I am. That's just me. No, no, no. You don't understand. Like anger runs in my family. My grandpa was just such an angry guy. My dad was angry as well. You don't understand. Like addiction runs in my family. And are you saying that the power of the gospel, the power that raised Christ from the dead, that conquered sin and death, isn't powerful enough to break that bondage in your life and in your family and transform you to experience the kingdom life that he came to give you? And listen, this is not just theory that I'm preaching. If you look at my family, go back two generations. My grandfather on my mom's side was polygamous, an alcoholic, had two wives. His dad before him was the chief of a village in Africa, had 13 wives. There's all kinds of addictions and brokenness in my family. Listen, you know what changed all of that? It's the fact that my mom and dad gave their lives to Jesus and got to experience the kingdom life to actually live like kingdom people. The power of the gospel transforms us, changes everything about our lives from the inside out so we can actually live like kingdom people. So what, what does that mean maybe for that thing in your life that you've been saying, well, this, this is just me. Well, I, well you don't understand. I, I just, I'm just an angry person. I, I'm just, you know, whatever. This is me. It's just how I'm always going to be. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
That's the kingdom that he came to offer us so that we would experience the kingdom life, not just someday in the future, so that we begin to experience transformation right here and now. The gospel isn't good news for someday when you die and you go to heaven. The gospel is good news for today. So can I encourage you to continue to grow in your faith? The trust that he's working in you wants to make you new, that you can actually experience this transformation in your life because of the transforming power of Jesus living in you, making you new. But to experience the kingdom life, it means that we should live like kingdom people, which is why Jesus is also teaching the disciples here, hey, listen, if you want to live your life in this way and experience the kingdom that I've come to bring, it means changing the way that we live, not like the rest of the world, but living like kingdom people, which is why we continue to grow again and study and do everything that we do, not because we're trying to earn our way to heaven and somehow earn a relationship with Jesus. No, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling because he's already saved us. And now we get to live as sons and daughters of Jesus and we get to live that out in our lives not to earn his favor but because of his favor that he's already given us. The kingdom of heaven produces transformation in our lives. Number three, only the needy can receive the blessings of the kingdom of heaven. Only the needy can receive the blessings of the kingdom of heaven. I've never once in my life found myself in a difficult situation whether it's going through loss or poverty, or heartbreak, or just those moments when I feel like, man, the waves are just crashing, and I feel crushed. Life is just coming at me. You know what I've never done in those moments? I've never stopped and thought, man, I'm just so blessed right now. I just feel so blessed, right? I've never done that, but as I look at my life, I realize that those are exactly the times that I've often turned to God like never before. That, that a couple years ago, when we found out we were pregnant with our uh, third uh, child, and we showed up to the ultrasound appointment, we had had so many of those with the two kids prior to that, and we showed up, and right away we knew from the nurses and their response that something was wrong with this child. Something was not quite right at that ultrasound appointment, and it, it led to us discovering that our daughter actually had this birth condition that she was born with and we didn't know what the future was going to mean for her and in that moment of just feeling like the joy was just robbed from us that, that what began as this celebration of this pregnancy you have all of a sudden just the joy is robbed from you and now it shifts into worry and anxieties about what is the future going to mean for us what is it going to mean for her what is our life going to look like and all these things you know that what God has also used that in my life over the last two or so years to do is to teach me to depend on him like never before like in in the midst of the questioning and after not knowing what's going to happen to your child, that time and time again, even when I felt at my lowest, or as we were singing about earlier, when I felt like I've been in the fire, that God has met me there every single time, has been that fourth man in the fire, giving me strength, strength that I wouldn't have on my own, reminding me to trust in him, to hope in him. And maybe you're, you're in here today and maybe you're going through a situation in your life and I don't know what your situation is right now that you might be walking through that you might not see yourself as being blessed right now. Because all you feel is the pain and the brokenness and the hurt that you might be going through. And listen, 
God never intends for us to experience those things in this life. But the reality is that you and I live in a broken world where sickness, where loss, where injustice is going to happen, where need is going to happen. And all these things are going to happen to us. But here's the powerful truth about being a part of the kingdom of heaven is that when you receive the kingdom of heaven, he takes our brokenness and he turns them into blessings. So that you can come outside of the other side of that trial in your life or that situation in your life right now and say, man, was that hard? Was that something that I wish to never go through again? But man, am I so blessed because my relationship with God is better on the other side of that than it was before I went into it. Which is why in the book of James, James writes this. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Some of you are in a situation right now. And the only thing you can be praying for that you can be thinking about right now is, God, get me out of this as fast as possible. I hate it. I don't like it here. Can I just challenge you and tell you this, that you've received the kingdom of heaven that takes the brokenness, the messiness that we look at in our lives, not as blessings and turns them into blessings because the thing that God uses for us to experience more of him is the need in our lives. Listen, only the needy can experience the blessings of the kingdom of heaven. Not the people that are full, that have it all together. No, when, when you're needy, when you're broken, when you are at your lowest, is where God says, turn to me in that moment and realize, realize your need for me. And I, I want to come in and I want to show you something in that. I want to meet you right where you are. I want to do something in your life that is going to be a blessing to you. Because you're going to come out of the other side of this better, deeper in your relationship with me than you were before. That the, that the words that we're looking at today are so powerful. Promises for us. And there's three different people that Jesus is talking to. That the first person is the disciple. It's the person that believes in Jesus and is just trying to remind us, all of us, that's all of us today, this, that, that man, this is the powerful truth, the promise of the kingdom of heaven coming into our world. Do you realize how amazing it is that we get to live in his kingdom right here, right now? That it changes our reality upside down in the best way possible. It takes all those things that would not be considered blessings in life, makes them into blessings because he redeems them. That's the first person that Jesus is talking to. The second person that he's talking to is maybe the religious leaders at the time who opposed Jesus. And they opposed Jesus because the gospel that Jesus was teaching of you not being enough on your own, you not being able to work your way back to heaven was so offensive to them. Because they thought that they had it all together. And listen, some of us maybe in the room tend to sometimes fall in that category a little bit where we forget that, man, it is all because of grace. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Listen, it's all because of grace. And the path of self-sufficiency and self-righteousness will always, always leave us disappointed. And Jesus had the harshest things to say to the religious leaders back in the day because they were so full of themselves that they could never turn to God to actually experience the kingdom that he came to bring. And maybe the third person in the room that Jesus is talking to is the crowd that was there. These are the people that are maybe undecided. They are interested in Jesus, but they are undecided on where exactly they stand with him because they don't know where they stand with God ultimately. And for some of you in the room, that is you in the room right now. 
that maybe you've been coming to church, you've been watching online, and you've been trying to find out more about this Jesus, but the reality is you just don't know where you stand with him because you feel like, man, I've just messed up too much in my life. My life is so messy and broken right now. I don't know where I stand with God. And listen, need is the requirement for experiencing the kingdom of God and the blessing that it is for us. It's not the people that have it all together. No, it's the people that recognize they are poor in spirit and broken and messy and needy. Those are the people that Jesus says, my kingdom is for people like that, that turn to me in their need, that I would come in and actually have a relationship with them and bless them through that and transform their lives. And if that's you in the room and you feel far away from God, you don't know where you stand with him. Can I tell you this, that he loves you? He loves you so much. He sent Jesus. The whole text that we're reading about Jesus coming into our world was to redeem us, to call us back into relationship with him. He tells us this in John 3.16 that God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3.17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. Listen, he is not out to get you. He's not out to condemn you. He loves you. He wants to welcome you into his kingdom so that you would experience his transforming power today. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. So will you bow your heads with me? Father, for the person in the room that feels far away from you today, I pray right now that they would feel your presence, your love in such a real and tangible way right now, even as we speak. God, that they would know how much you love them, how much you pursue them, how much you welcome them into a relationship with you. That, that they would do what you call us to do, to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And repenting is simply choosing to turn away from our sin and choosing to turn towards Jesus and pursuing after him and that they would just do that beautiful act this morning of repenting from their sin, turning to Jesus this morning. And if that's you in the room and these words resonated with you, you want to make a commitment today to, to repent, to surrender your life to Jesus, to receive the free gift of salvation that he came to offer. I just want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And I'm just going to ask you to just do one, one simple act this morning of boldness to signify the commitment that you're doing to repent and to turn to Jesus this morning. Would you just raise your hand right where you're seated? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed in here. Would you just raise your hand right where you're seated? If that's you and you're saying, I want to make a commitment today to surrender my life to Jesus, to follow after him, would you just raise a hand right where you are in the room? Anybody in here? Yes, over here to my left. I see you guys. Anybody in here? Yes, in the back, I see you. Gray sweatshirt. Anybody else? It really is that simple. It's just by surrender, by recognizing you are not enough and running to him in your time of need. Yes, I see you over here. Yes, in the front, you can put your hand down. And if you raise the hand, just pray something like this with me. Father, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for sending your son to the cross for my sin, that he died the death that I deserved and rose from the dead so that now I can get to have this eternal life in you. So God, I surrender my life to Jesus today. Ask him to be my Lord and my Savior. God, I pray that you would help me to repent from anything in my life that is not of you, to pursue after you. Would you help me to live for you from this day forward? In Jesus' name. And God, we thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for welcoming us into your family. Thank you for your kingdom that has come into our lives even right now that we can get to experience the hope of the gospel right here, right now. Would you help us to walk in that every single day? 
in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate the people that made a commitment both in the room?